I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Heeren, assistant editor over at TFS, and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I am your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Uh, this week, uh, we'll, dis- we'll be discussing Exposed. I'm glad to welcome back MJ Smith to discuss the surreal thriller. How's it going, MJ? I'm good, Sam. Thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not the movie, uh, I was expecting at all. What about you? Uh, no, not, not, I, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really know what to expect, but based on the, what my reading prior to the film, it's in some ways the movie that I thought it was based on what I read and in some ways not necessarily the train wreck that I thought I was signing up for. Yeah, and it's it's a weird thing. Uh, this is one of those train wrecks where uh, there's been a couple recently, uh, right in this last five or so years of uh, Keanu's career right now, there's been a lot of uh, odd movies that I would call disasters. This is one, I would say this one is, but unlike some of those other ones like uh, Generation Um, where I can't see any uh, reason why they'd even want to make the thing, mm-hmm. this is one of those ones where it's a, uh, it's a well-intentioned disaster. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, I think the sound mixing is kind of bad, but the shot composition, like it looks like a movie, you know, it right. doesn't look terrible. The performances are, uh, some of them are mediocre at best. I don't think there's a standout or like a good performance necessarily in it, but it's, it's passable. You know, it's not, it's not a, a complete failure on every single level of right. cinema, you know? Um, yeah, to, to where the uh, director would remove his name from it. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's really the, the heart of this thing is uh, this is a movie that the director sought to make a kind of a supernatural, magical realism kind of uh, fable about, you know, uh, abuse and mental illness and all this stuff. But it ended up, uh, the studio thought they were making a Keanu Reeves cop procedural and basically uh, forced him to turn it into that. And so it really, it's, it's very obvious because it basically feels like two movies running in parallel. Yeah. And they're even trying, there's a part, parts of the movie make you try to think that, that was intentional. That that was like, oh, this is about two seemingly disconnected stories that, uh, you know, these two lives that uh, get thrust into each other. But that's clearly just... Uh, that was not the intention from the get-go. Well, and also, you know, it has two stars in it, Keanu Reeves and Anna de Armas. And mm-hmm. do they even interact? 
with each other at all in the movie? Do they have a single scene? Uh, that is a good question that can be answered as we work through, try to work through this very confused uh, plot. Uh, but I think no, there's only one scene with them actually together, uh, which we'll get into the weirdness that I guess it's not technically true. So we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this opening scene, it's just so, uh, yeah. Anna de Armas stars as a young, uh, woman, uh, shows her leaving a club in New York city. Uh, things are kind of, uh, she's like pretty drunk and she's, uh, so she's out with her brother-in-law. Uh, and we just, we through you know, dialogue, we hear that, uh, he's just out of prison. Uh, and you know, she's, she's on her way home at night. And for some reason, she chooses to go through this un- so r- ridiculously dark and long tunnel uh, for, through to the, to the subway. Uh, I was like, where in, is this? Maybe, I mean, I'm not familiar with New York, so maybe sure. that it, it does exist. But it seemed a little, uh, like it was very much like, and this is... A, this is intimidating, or like this is yeah, uh, supposed was, to be scary. I was watching it with my wife, and she was like, "Where is this subway tunnel? This is the scariest subway tunnel I've ever <laughs> seen in a movie." Uh, yeah, and so she's walking through, and then this is where it you know it immediately takes this insane turn, <laughs> which oh my god! Uh, I mean, I don't even. I literally thought I was hallucinating for a minute because it was so. I mean, I'm I'm fine with weird, yeah. uh, surreal moments in movies, but usually I'm kind of expecting it, or at least uh, I'm not expecting it in a what was sold to me as a police thriller. Uh, basically, uh, to even describe it, you're going to think I'm making this up. Uh, she's you know walking, uh, waiting. Uh, she's walking through this subway tunnel, and suddenly a sort of albino dude in a suit uh, walks up and then defies gravity by walking uh, over the train tracks. And it's so bizarre, I was practically yelling because it was so weird. So, what did you think? How did you react to seeing this uh, albino gentleman? So, that was the first notion... In the film where I was like, um, okay, this is, this is certainly the movie I read about on the internet where <laughs> it's this hodgepodge of mystical elements v this reverse engineered cop drama because there's no real sense of who this person is, you know, and there's no, there's no real sense of how he's interacting with mm-hmm. this woman. And he's just kind of there. Um, maybe we'll get like, I, I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt despite right. its ratings. So, you know, I, I kind of took him with a grain of salt of maybe this will be explained. My hopes aren't high. Right, uh, and especially I necess- yeah, I don't necessarily need explanation, but at least like uh, that there would be a reason for it, and that we would, and I think in the end we do get that, but it doesn't make up for the fact that we watched this uh, this movie that just is just it's really uh, again it, lo- it looks like a movie it's well ma- it's well put together besides the editing and the, some of the ADR stuff that I'm going to laugh about later. Yeah, definitely, uh, but. but- it- it it's, also seems sorry. Uh, it, it also seems 
like, yeah, I guess we technically got a reason for it later, but the reason doesn't mix. Like, right. I don't understand how that is representative of the events that happened actually. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and then especially the, and the, and the editing is really uh, debilitating in this thing yeah. because it literally, like it'll cut from these random scene to random scene seemingly at random. And then it doesn't seem like uh, we even really know what was there. Were part, I had to pause it several times just to try to figure out uh, <laughs> where we were in the plot and yep. what characters we were following and how they were really, I was like, at first I thought, that maybe I missed something. That I was mm-hmm. like, I missed a scene that was maybe made this all clear. But no, it's just it's just a jumble. Yeah, and just constantly important events are happening off screen because they were they didn't exist mm-hmm. um, in the originally intended film. Uh, you know, like there's there's one scene in particular that happens pretty late in the film, but it's where Keanu arrests this kingpin drug dealer that's played mm-hmm. by the rapper Big Daddy Kane. Mm-hmm. And he goes up to his car that he's riding shotgun in and he talks to the driver and he's like, you know, this guy's a known drug dealer. It's a violation of your parole. And that's the end of that scene. And the very next scene is the Big Daddy Kane character talking on the phone in jail with his lawyer Right. And I was like, I think we skipped several steps here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, really, when I when it looks into it, yeah, like that scene, because then there's another scene where he isn't in jail anymore, but then he's again, he's meeting with <laughs> his lawyer, like maybe he got out. Yeah, there's clearly, this was clearly uh, cut to hell. And it was, uh, I think there's even a director's cut that's not easy to get. It's called, the original cut was called Children of God. Uh oh, right. And I honestly would, I don't know if I would watch it, but I would be cur- out of just curiosity to see if it functions a little better. Yes, I agree. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so then uh, right after this, you know, she sees this uh, albino gentleman. Uh, it cuts to Keanu, who is, uh, again, I was confused here because it was uh, like he shows up at this, basically at the same tunnel. Uh, and then Mira Sorvino shows up. Uh, I feel really bad for Mira Sorvino in this movie because she has, I mean, there's no one, no one could play this character, uh, well, the way it's written. Nope. The, some of the worst character writing in the movie goes to her character. Right. She's literally every cliched, uh, New York cop wife, you know, like the, literally she'll say stuff like, uh, you know, who's this bitch? She says at one point, I just rolled my <laughs> eyes so hard. Like, oh, she just, she needs to be a cliche. So let's have her be a cliche. Uh, she immediately thinks every woman is trying to sleep with her husband. Like that's the kind of, uh, it's, yeah, it's rough. Uh, yeah. yeah not but good. so, yeah, so she's freaking out because, uh, I'll just break it down. So her, uh, husband is Keanu's partner, uh, and he was murdered. Uh, and then, but the way it cuts back and forth to, it just cuts between Keanu kind of working this case, but not really working the case. Like, it's so bizarre, because there'll be one scene where he's, uh, I mean, I think there's half of the movie where I'm like, uh, Keanu keeps being on screen, but he's not actually doing anything, like, to further the plot. It's really bizarre. 
No, he is, he just kind of exists through most of these scenes. Um, he's there and is talked at about mm-hmm. his partner from various characters that he's interacted with. There's like one scene where he shows a little bit of action or, or proactive questioning of him, which is a flashback he's having with his superior officer about going to question this guy about right. what happened in the subway tunnel. Another drug dealer guy that was, at, yeah. I think he was seen at the club with, um, Anna Armas's character and her brother-in-law. Right. Like earlier in the, so that like there's all these, uh, the first scene has these setup scenes where like, uh, we see someone taking pictures of, uh, Anna Armas and her friends mm-hmm. and her, this random guy that recognized her, uh, brother-in-law. And in the end, I think we do get that all explained, but it doesn't really matter because it's like, uh, in the end, when we'll get to the this twist that happens, it basically renders everything else that we've seen besides the scenes with Anna Armas completely unnecessary. You could literally have a 45-minute movie without any of those scenes and still have the same uh, basic plot. And, it's, it, and even the themes would still be intact. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah. It's such a such a bizarrely structured movie as a result of the the mucking with uh, of it by the studio right uh and like and then there's always there's these there's these little hints here and there where i'm like i would maybe i wouldn't like the movie but i would at least kind of respect where it's going like there's some really interest there's some like it's very blunt like there's uh there's eyes everywhere and like there's you know, there, uh on the on the walls and like and someone's watching or whatever, but like at least I could see like okay, I get what they were going for here. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's ultimately uh, the way like, I would like to see this movie, uh, maybe from a different uh, creator. Uh, but of this, you know, this idea of uh, a weird surreal way of this wo- the way this woman's dealing with her past trauma. Like I'd like to see that version of the movie, uh, and I. Just makes me sad that maybe we like uh, like it could have been a great movie, but it's just it's in the end it's just this basically it's a mess. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad premise. The idea of you know someone's uh, PTSD essentially getting the better of them um, to the point of blackout, and I, I know we're kind of dancing around what ultimately happens, but that's that's. Without going full spoilers into it, th- that's what the the main thrust of Anna Armas's arc is, and I get it. Like I, I totally see where you would do that, and where you know something that has a little bit of a fantastical element to it mm-hmm. that's dealing with very you know strong subject matter like this can kind of open the window a little bit to have the conversation a little bit easier. Um. You know, while obviously still being sensitive and uh, 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 graceful towards the people at the center of it. And the movie isn't not ungraceful to them, but it just, it's nothing to them, really. It's it's borderline neutral. And so then it comes off as like, why'd you make the movie about this then? Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Like, it's, in the end, because of the way it's handled, too, it... Uh, again, it's not necessarily trying to sit, but in the end, that makes it worse. Like, it's almost like uh, th- this. It also just kind of shows you that this is not the kind of movie that uh, probably even a man should be making. Like, that, you know, or at the very least, 
uh, if they're going to do it, they need to have more sensitivity than whatever it got here. And again, I don't think the director is necessarily, uh, he's not meaning anything bad by it, but it's just in the end, because of how fumbled it is, it makes that, uh, yeah, like you said, like they just shouldn't have made it in the first place. It's like one of those things where they think that, oh, hell, I'll make this movie, and then no one ever tells them that maybe it's not your story to tell. Yes. Or, or even questions, why is this the story you want to tell? Because there's right. no over to, you know, it, it, when, when you see the elements of, uh, of what happens to her in this, it, it's, you, I, I think of like the, the girl with the dragon tattoo stuff, right? right? Like Steve Larson, he, my understanding, and it's been a while since I've done the research on these movies. My understanding is that he was witness to a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And that's why he ended up writing those books. Sure. Um, but there's no real sense of that coming off of this movie. No. Uh, it's almost like, to me, I mean, I think another movie, yeah, the movie that, the, uh, they've inf- that they uh, mentioned that it would be reminiscent of is like, uh, you know, Pan's Labyrinth or Irreversible, uh, mm-hmm. the Gaspar No film. It's almost like he just wanted to make that movie. He's like, I, basically, he saw those movies and he's like, oh, I could do that. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. But... Uh, but not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no real, there's no real reason for it at all. And you know, it. Like I said, it's not, it's not insensitive, but it's so neutral that it's like, okay, like this is. It, it ends up feeling gross. Right. Yeah. Especially the way it ends. Uh, which I'll. Uh, yeah. I mean, talk a little. So like, and Anna Armas. Uh, I can see why she's what she's. Uh, she is good in this, and it's she is not. Good. She's. Because she's she's just a good presence. She's a, she has a great presence, and uh, I'm glad that she's now being uh, uh, utilized well in films like. Uh, I mean, she was amazing in uh, Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, like, yeah, I mean, I think the only reason that was able to get me through it is because she uh, is able to make it. Uh, she's more. She, without her, it would feel. I would honestly. I don't think I'd be able to get through it if I wasn't making a podcast on it oh, because yeah. she genuinely carries you through, even if you're seeing some insane and uh, un- unnecessary uh, stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's you know, it, it, she is the saving grace of the movie, definitely. And I think up until the big reveal, her performance is really good. I think after it. And this this is likely a failure of the character on paper rather than her performance. Yeah. The sort of she's crazy thing isn't how that should feel. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll pause. Uh, we'll, let's say this. We're going to go full spoilers here. If for whatever reason you do want to watch this thing without full spoilers, pause it and then come back and listen to it. Uh, sure. But yeah, in the end, this is what... so. Uh, basically, I'll just break it down. You know, Isabel uh, is this... She's an elementary school teacher. Uh, her husband is uh, deployed overseas in the military. Uh, and basically, something's going on here where she keeps seeing these uh, visions of... So, yeah, she saw that, like I said, the albino gentleman. But then she also sees this uh, kind of an angel figure. And she's very religious, and she... Talks to uh, you know an elderly uh, family friend about 
you know, angels and stuff. And so this is what she basically becomes convinced that she's, uh, God has chosen her to uh, see these visions for whatever reason that she can't uh, understand. Uh, but as we find out, you know, you know, as uh, it's this is why it's so weird is because while we're trying to maybe deal with these uh, these surreal magical aspects, we're also cutting back to a bland as hell uh, corrupt cop procedural, uh, and it just. Uh, it's so weird because, especially because sometimes Keanu's like actively being a, he's like, uh, beating a, there's one scene where he's beating a guy uh, in front of his wife and daughter. And then it's never really, the ramifications of that are never, uh, talked about or explored. No, they just are dead in the next, like the next time we catch up with them, the whole family's just been killed. Right. And that's that's it. That's where that goes. Uh, um, yeah, and, and so while that... Yeah, and then while that's happening, uh, basically, he's trying to figure out what happened to his partner. Uh, but also, he kind of hated his partner because he knew his partner was a horrible, corrupt cop. And then, as we find out later, was also basically raped, like, at least three people that we know of. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and then there's also this part where, like, Mir Sorvino, as uh, his partner's wife, kind of knew about this, but didn't do anything about it. And, like... But, not only just didn't do anything about it, but is now actively kind of... Uh, not forcing, but trying to really talk Keanu into not pursuing this any longer. Right, she's like... Uh, she mentions, like... Oh, you know that story that you heard about? And so basically, uh, uh, yeah, he uh, uh, arrested this guy who happened to be uh, Isabel, you know, Anna Armas's uh, brother-in-law. Uh, he was, you know, dealing drugs, and on an arrest, he uh, violated him. Uh, Joey, this cop violated him. And there's a scene where uh, she like confirms to Keanu that the rumors were true, and she's like. But I'm not going to let them ruin my my husband's reputation over this. It's really right. disgusting, and I'm like, I just can't. I'm really kind of upset that they made Mira Sorvino uh, say that stuff. Yeah, it it's it's everything dealing with him as not just a corrupt cop, but specifically a, a person who commits sexual assault. He's basically Regular. a serial rapist at this point. Yeah, because he, yeah, yeah. Um, is completely mishandled. For sure. Uh, yeah, it just ends up feeling gross. And again, it's probably not their attention, but that doesn't make it, that doesn't get, let them off the hook. Like, that doesn't... Right. Uh, it just, yeah, it's just gross. And then... Well, uh, it, it reminds me of, you know, the last episode of this I was on was Permanent Record, which deals with suicide. Um, and when I was on here talking about that, we were talking about how great that movie was at dealing with the ramifications of grieving someone mm-hmm. who has taken their own life without making a commentary on what a terrible person they were for doing that. Right. Or, you know, even telling the kids that they should just get over it. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. sensitive portrayal of a group of friends working through that loss. And this is the exact opposite. And even when... 
you know, when you had approached me about the two movies that you had left, it was this movie and uh, To the Bone, which is, you know, a, a film that deals with eating disorders and anorexia specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose this one because I didn't know anything about it and I didn't feel qualified to talk about subject matter as heavy as as eating disorders. Right. Um, and... I also was like, well, I was kind of on, I was on one that was already kind of very, like, dealt with very heavy subject matter, so I'll do the cop movie. And then it ended up being about almost, like, arguably heavier subject matter, and I was like, well, I guess I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't with this. Um, right. And uh, what I can say for To the Bone is it's much more sensitive, I think, <laughs> than than this movie is. I, I mean, even the name of it is kind of gross, if right. you think about it. Well, yeah, because again, the original title was uh, "Daughter of God," uh, and so, mm-hmm. but again, that would not make any sense when they add the, when they graft on this uh, police procedural. But uh, so, but yeah, in the end, uh, so the weirdest thing is, is that uh, it almost tries to make. At first, it seems like because it, it's trying to be a mystery, but it's mm-hmm. very clear that that mystery was created after the fact, like while they were shooting it. Because, like, there's these really weird scenes of uh, trying to make you think, uh, like, who killed this guy? Uh, and for a while, it tries to make you think that it was uh, her uh, brother-in-law who was trying to get revenge uh, for being raped by this cop. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but the scenes where they develop that, like, there's this one scene where, uh, and there's just some hilariously bad ADR in several shots here, or several scenes here. And to me, that makes it feel like the reason that happened is because they were rushed because they needed to add those scenes to try to uh, create the mystery aspect, uh, trying to make you think mm-hmm. of who did it. Uh, but then it turns out, but it's funny because none of that stuff even matters in the end of it because once we actually find out what did happen, uh, it's it's weird that they try to make you think that this stuff's connected when it's not connected at all. Um, yeah. Apart from... That is the same perpetrator. Yeah, well, and, and you know, we see Keanu trying to figure out how all of this fits together because he does know that, he you know, he has the pictures from outside the club and he does know that this drug dealer guy was, you know, raped by, by his partner. Mm-hmm. And so he does kind of see that. But then he starts focusing on Isabel and he says, you know, she was in the... She was in the, the, the subway tunnel that night, so I need to talk to her... And that's kind of it. Like, the whole movie is just him saying, I need to talk to her, I need to talk to her. And that never really resolves itself, or at least it doesn't uh, in a in a normal way. Right. Because what happens... So, yeah, this is where the... Basically, this angel she's been seeing was Keanu. Uh, mm-hmm. So, basically, for, for whatever reason, uh, something happened to her in this tunnel, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about here in a sec. Uh, but... Uh, so, she's seeing... There's one part where I figured this out because it's about where the angel shows up and she's, we hear the angel with this weird voice asking a question about like, I need to speak to you about uh, Rocky, her step, her, her brother. Oh yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, that's Keanu. And for whatever reason, she's seeing this angel. And so what happened is, is that we now see the, that first scene was she was oh. raped by uh, this cop. Right. And, uh, her way of dealing with the trauma was to create, uh, which we find out what this, that, uh, that gentleman albino guy turned out to be. 
Uh, but basically, she her way of dealing with trauma is to create these uh, supernatural beings. Uh, and so, for whatever reason, I guess she knows that in the end, Keanu can help her. I guess is, mm-hmm. I guess what I was trying to say, but it's never really clear. I did not put that together. That So you're saying that every time the angel came to her, that was actually Keanu, but she yes. was making it. Huh. I Be- did not figure that out at all. Well, because there's this one scene where she's going to get a, a toy horse for this. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about this little girl that she's been seeing. Yeah. Uh, the one that so yeah she kidnaps. This, she's also a teacher. Uh, and this little girl uh, who's... Uh, Assumedly being uh, molested by her father, mm-hmm. uh, and for what, and her and Isabel's kind, or Isabel's kind of trying to help her. Um, but there's one part where she tries to go get a horse for her uh, student, allegedly her student. Uh, yeah, and she runs into, she goes to get the same horse that Keanu is trying to get, and this is where she sees the angel. So she just happened to run into. Uh, Keanu, and every time she saw Keanu, she saw an angel. Got it. Wow. Weird. Yeah. The movie did a terrible job communicating that. Uh, Which is because they keep cutting back to these unnecessary scenes with her, with him and uh, uh, Mira Sorvino having an affair. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part, too. Yeah. Uh, Yep. And it's not our fault. It's the movie's fault. Yeah. well, and yeah, none of that matters. Like, none of the... Exactly. The, none of those subplots matter. You know, she... Um, it's... My wife's a teacher, and she watched this movie with me, and she was... She was watching this subplot with the little girl, and she was like, wait, this takes place in New York, right? And I go, yeah, and she told me, like, I know that, you know, this girl's in a bad situation, but this is not how, like she can get in a lot of trouble for behaving the way she's behaving. Right. Or, the or at the very girl. least she should know by, because there's parts where like, she should clearly know that this little girl, which will explain why it doesn't matter here in a sec. Right. But, uh, in the context, I was like, she should have called child protective services days ago. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. That's the channel to go through instead of just kind of kidnapping her, kidnapping her. Yes. Uh, she, you know, she, she, she sees this little girl and just kind of takes her home with her. And now that's her little girl. Right. Uh, so then this is, so she, uh, at one point, uh, I forgot, I even forgot her husband dies and this, this is a hilarious scene. It should not be hilarious. Oh, but it was like, super funny. Her dog. So, uh, the dog, uh, her, you know, her brother-in-law is taking care of their dog. Uh, her, you know, her husband's dog uh, gives it to his girlfriend. Literally two seconds later, immediately the leash breaks. Dog is hit by a car, and then the very next scene, we find out that Isabel's husband died in Iraq. <laughs> yep. And I just uh, doubled over laughing, and it's nothing. You're not same. That is not same. the reaction the creators obviously wanted you to have. No, not at all. But even like even the way, and I would never say this about. A dog dying in a movie because that's the like one of the saddest things. But even the way they filmed the car accident was kind of funny looking. Like it looked, it was it looked over the top and ridiculous, man. Uh, and there's yeah, there's another scene like that where uh, so this uh, for whatever reason I, I'm still not clear on this uh, 
this gang or this gang leader, uh, Black, is uh, for whatever reason uh, tr- is trying to kill uh, Rocky, and I still don't get why. Like, why? How is he involved in this cop stuff at all? I don't. I don't understand. Okay. I'm glad you said something about that, because when that scene was happening, I was frantically searching my brain to see if I'd forgotten a large portion of the movie. So I'm glad to get confirmation on that coming out of nowhere. Um, No, I mean, I guess at some point they were going to, like, because uh, there was one scene earlier where Keanu's interrogating him, but it's the mm -hmm. worst interrogation scene I've ever seen, because there's (laughs) no... There's not even any details or exposition whatsoever. I and mean, then it's funny because earlier in the, there's another part in the movie where there's just these big exposition dumps where, like, there's one part where this guy's like, I was just the kind of, oh, so first you lost your wife, now you lost your partner. And I was like, unbelievable. Uh, you'd think yeah. that you'd have more of those exposition dumps instead of whole plots not making any sense. Uh, yeah. So it's basically they, they just needed a gang. They just needed this. Uh, big bad guy to be involved. Uh, and there's a scene where he tries to kill uh, Rocky, and it's so funny because it literally he's with one other character, and then it cuts to white with a gunshot, and then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, he shot Rocky, and it's it's clear that they like maybe didn't even film the scene between like yeah. there's just a whole scene missing. Yep. Yeah, it it kind of reminds me, and I didn't see this movie, but it reminds me of how people talk about The Snowman, where, you know, they were coming out after the movie was released and saying, oh yeah, there's like, we only shot like 60% of what was written down on the script or right. whatever and had to cobble it together from that. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's a very similar situation. It just happened to be that this is a very low budget movie, so it yeah uh, it's even more obvious like that they uh, and it's almost like they used like iMovie effects to uh, edit it together. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, in the end here, uh, so so after she kidnaps this girl, uh, there's a part where she's like in her home, uh, and the girl starts freaking out, saying like the man's attacking me, uh, and so she pulls a knife, and then her pulling out a knife triggers her memory to remember what happened that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turned out that, yeah, that that cop uh, assaulted her and uh, she, after the assault, she stabbed him, pushed him into the train tracks, and basically that albino gentleman was supposed to, I guess it's supposed to be death. It's supposed to basically okay. be her seeing uh, her reaction to uh, murdering this guy, or killing this guy in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Uh but, and then, like, so that guy, I guess, is supposed to be, uh, yeah, basically supposed to be the, the Grim Reaper. Uh, that, okay. That's what I'm piecing together. I mean, that's that's as good a guess as any, <laughs> I would say. I, I, I have nothing on that. Um, so, the way they handle this little girl is very silly. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into the spoilers around her. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we'll do okay. it. Okay. So, she doesn't exist. Right. She she is a projection of Isabella when she was a little girl because it turns out that her father had molested her when she was a little girl. Right. And 
their way that they convey this until it's fully explained the way they convey that there's something off about her relationship with a little girl outside of her, you know, singling her out as kind of a favorite among her students mm-hmm. and buying her gifts and things like that is these weird continuity errors. So there's a scene where she's talking to the little girl on a park bench and she's eating a lollipop. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to them from a different angle, getting up from the park bench and walking away and the little girl's lollipop has gone from, like, a normal size, like, blow pop to one of those, like, long, swirly <laughs> lollipops. I did not. And I missed that. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. I blinked and missed it, too. But my <laughs> wife was freaking out. She was like, how did they screw that up? She was like, <laughs> she thought it was the continuity error, but a massive one where the, the lollipop just completely changed sizes. But it was... I guess a clue that this little girl doesn't exist. And so the lollipop was fictional as well, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Uh, or the lollipop symbolizes her. Uh, it, it was big before, but it's small now because she, I'm giving the director way too much credit here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, it, it's really that, yeah, the, her seeing this little girl was her trying to deal with this. Tr- so like basically her being raped again, basically started bringing up, her uh, past trauma of her dad. And so this dad that we thought was uh, this little girl's dad was maybe abusing her turned out, no, it was her, her dad. Uh, So when she wakes up from this, uh, this flashback to the more recent assault, she stabs and kills her dad. Uh, And at first I'm like, Oh shit, she made a mistake. But then I realized, no, wait, no, she's just, she's finally, she finally unrepressed those memories and did something about it. Uh, and so then that's how the movie ends. Is She uh, kills her father. And then I guess there's this one scene with her in a church. And uh, the little girl disappears. Uh, uh-huh. Saying basically now she uh, has learned to accept what happened to her. And the only reason I know that is because that's what the uh, Wikipedia final paragraph says. <laughs> sure. Well, and she's also... the the. The I think the biggest piece we we haven't talked about so far is that when the cop assaulted her in the subway, she became pregnant. Oh right! Again, another plot point that I forgot. Uh, yeah, and if you're if you're confused, listen, trying to figure out the plot, uh, welcome to the club. Sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, and so she goes to so the the her husband dies in Iraq, and then she goes to. The husband's family because she's living with them mm-hmm. and she goes hey i'm pregnant and they are obviously offended um because it's not soon after his death and also he was gone um you know there, it doesn't give a clear timeline of how soon after his death this is and she says oh it's because god has chosen me because i've been seeing these you know specters that have essentially told me that I've been chosen to carry the daughter of God, which is <sighs> where the original title comes from. Oh, and her family, you know, without the full context, a little understandably kicks her out and are are really offended, you know, that she was basically cheating on their their Oh yeah, the, that's, their what, son. At least that's what they perceive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Based on and the so, based on the information they know. Yeah. Yeah, based on the information they know, it's it's you know, it it looks real bad. And um we also kind of don't know why she's pregnant either. And that makes it for a really weird sense of like 
oh, she's kind of dumb or naive. Right. Um, But then you kind of piece together what did happen and you're like, oh, well, screw this movie for making me think that about her when it's clearly like a PTSD thing. Right. And that's all. Like, why would the movie have me think that she's stupid when it's a blocked memory? Like, it it really failed communicating how we should be treating that character in that moment. Well, and it's especially frustrating because what limited amount of characters that we can connect to, they basically abandon them at the end. uh, Mm -hmm. Because, like, most of the time we're spent with uh, Rocky, and then basically he... uh, Kills the uh, the gangster, and then uh, gets also gets prob- maybe died too. I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. But again, they just like once that scene happens. Literally though, you could excise that entire subplot, and the movie wouldn't change at all. Nope. Ah, nope. So well, wow. and she she changes careers for some reason when she gets kicked out. That's not explained. Maybe so she just we- can't be a teacher anymore because she's so depressed about her husband. But I guess maybe, but we just see, you know, she has to move back in with her parents where she ultimately kills her father. And then we just see her waiting tables and it's like, well, why the hell isn't she a teacher anymore? What happens right. between her? Like, why is her getting kicked out of her in-laws dependent on her employment? Oh man. And then there's also a scene where Keanu uh, is on the son- on the phone with his son. And that's mm-hmm. a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but this is just... Uh, I think that's what the script said. Exactly, that, Ke- that is Ke- what the script said. I'm yeah, at. it says Keanu, Keanu speaks on the phone with his son, and that's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is a whole... Uh, like I, Again, I, I think in the end, I think I see... I could see the movie that was initially intended, that mm-hmm. Keanu wanted to maybe think... He thought that was a story worth telling. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I could see... I can maybe see a version of that working, but not when the studio literally tries to go like, no, all that stuff is stupid. We're going to try to make a cop thing. But then the cop thing makes it even make less sense. Like, yeah, they're trying to make it more accessible. And in the end, it made it much more confusing. Yes. Well, that and then combined with like just the grossness of how it treats Isabel. Mm-hmm. Is Isabella or Isabella? Isabella. Isabella in like... What, where it's like she was, you know, assaulted multiple times in her life and she's got this PTSD, but it also kind of ends with like, but also she is a little crazy. And right. And she has no agency of herself, like for her, basically like her, no, real, there's real no story here. Like in the mm-hmm. like, I guess it's just she was able to, uh, but at the same time, it makes it the fact that Keanu's story was so basically half the movie makes it seem like, uh, it's uh, him doing one right thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that makes it all at her... Uh, that basically the only reason her abuse happened was so that it can uh, make a cop feel better. Like, that's just... <laughs> and it's, uh-huh. None of that's there, but it all... Because of the fact that it's so uh, messy that it just makes you... Those thoughts should never have come into your head. Like, that, that should never have been yeah. part of the story. Yeah, I don't think the like I like you said. I don't think it's intended to be like, look at this crazy bitch because right. she was assaulted. But that's how it plays. Like, there's no way around. There's no other way to interpret the way it plays because of how. Like, it almost paints her killing her dad as a bad thing, 
Right. Because he, there's a scene earlier where he apologizes to her and says that he's never going to hurt her again. And yeah, that's when you kind of piece together that mm-hmm. he had assaulted her in the past. And then it's just like, yeah, look at her. Isn't she crazy now? And it's like, well, y- yeah, <laughs> but we have we now know why she is acting this way. And just calling her crazy isn't the way to do that. Yeah. It just, in the end, it just, I was just, by the end of it, I just wish I, as well-intentioned as it may have been, it's like, at the same time, I just wish it had never have happened, and maybe that director used uh, uh, his that money he got to make something more personal to him. Uh, could yeah. have been interesting, because again, like, because at the same time, if it had been more coherent, I would have actually, pre- I would have been given some props to making this weird of a movie. Uh, right. Uh, now, you know, especially in America, like, uh, but at the same time, it's, in the end, I think it's just a waste. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, if there's anything good I can say about it, I did like the way that angel looked. It was really weird. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was a very weird angel. Uh, I like how it was almost like a mannequin. It looked like something out of a, uh, yeah, if there would have been more of that, maybe I uh, could recommend it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as it is, it's a it's a non-starter of a movie. Yeah, it's really just uh, at least uh, you know John Wick Two is coming up. Uh, let's let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, that does it for this. Thanks so much for coming on, MJ. Uh, before yeah, you go, uh, would you uh, like to plug anything? Sure. Uh, I have two podcasts myself. Uh, one is called Real Perspective. That's R E E L perspective uh, it's me and my co-host mike and sometimes a guest talking about um current release movies we do one every two-ish weeks um we try to only hit the majorest of major releases um you know the things that we kind of anticipate will be mm-hmm. in the cultural zeitgeist um so may is a really big month for us we're gonna have you know episodes on detective pikachu and john wick and aladdin and godzilla um and then the other podcast I have is called Formative Filmography, and it's myself and my friend Corey um, counting down our 100 favorite movies of all time and why they are our favorite movies. Um, and episode three of that should be available now. Um, it'll be a 100-episode podcast. We are doing one movie from each list um, in each one. So the first half is about one movie and the second half is about another movie. And yeah, that's really fun. That's pretty new. So check that one out. You can find all of those, um, on the real perspective feed on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter at MJ Smith, eight, nine, one. I'm pretty active on there. Um, so if you want to follow me there, you can, if you want to see pictures of my cat and various <laughs> pinball machines that I play, you can follow me on Instagram under at MJ Smith, eight, nine, one. But that's kind of all I use Instagram for. <laughs> ah, great. Yeah, thanks. Please go check those out. Uh, yeah. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, join me next time. We'll be discussing The Neon Demon. Until then, keeping excellent to each other. Bye.